0: to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the poet of Psalm 73, got confused by the contrast of life. With his lips he confessed that God is good but in his heart it was different, in his heart he envied the ungodly, he saw that they lived in prosperity. The ungodly, the wicked, they seemed to be carefree and unconcerned about tomorrow. For them life is now and now seems to be forever. And they are doing well. Their wealth and power increase. Yes, the wicked seem to enjoy greater freedom. Greater freedom of movement and speech. They are their own boss. They decide for themselves what is good. Yes, they have a great life. Being able to afford themselves a lot of things. They seem to live about the frustrations of life. The life of the poet was completely different. He lived in difficult circumstances. He had to cope with the adversities of life. Now Psalm 73 doesn't give special details regarding those adverse circumstances the poet experienced. The aim of Psalm 73 is to present to us a general picture of a believer who faces the well-known temptation of looking at the greener grass over the fence. What is now God's direction when his people are in such a mood? Let's listen to his word this afternoon, and I administer to you his words with this theme that God makes a man of little faith. Seek his strength with him. And we have then three thoughts. God makes him seek his strength with him first in prayer. And as that first line, it is good to draw near to God. In the second place, also the Lord makes them to seek his strength in confession. The second line that I have made the Lord Yahweh my refuge. And in the third place, that the Lord makes this man of little faith to seek his strength in praise. I may tell, he says, of all thy works. So God makes a man of little faith seek his strength with him in prayer, in confession, and in praise. Brothers and sisters, the psalmist started to compare his own situation with those of, of others who go their own ways. People who pursue their own plans. People who live for themselves, their own goals, for their own interests. And he thought those people are well off. It seems that they always get what they want. The psalmist didn't. And so in self-pity, he came to envy the success and the well-being of ungodly and arrogant people and he started to think no he won't say it out loud he thought it's advantageous to live a life for self so engaged in self-pity and questioning God's justice in a way he was filled with resentment And in that situation He could have easily joined The ungodly Through his little faith Because that is what it Boiled down to It was his whole Thinking of his little faith Looking at the things he saw This poet Came in great danger In a situation of being overpowered By little faith He almost He said he almost Slipped Wounded up, fell away from the Lord But it didn't happen Why didn't it happen? Because God knew him God knew him So he can say God indeed is good He showed it by keeping him from falling Slipping away God held the poet's right hand God was his strength In his grace, God made that man of little faith seek his strength with him. At first, as we already have indicated, at first, God was only near in his mouth, far from his heart. And then he nearly failed because he looked at the things he saw. But God made him turn to the things that are unseen. In God's sanctuary, he received again the right insight as we read in verse 17. So in God's house, that means also through God's word and promises, the poet again lifted up his eyes. So he understood again that God is the sovereign ruler That God is in control of all things In the light of God's revelation he saw now How foolish, how stupid he had been To think that life away from God Could be more advantageous Now he understood that's totally untrue There are no perspectives There is no glory without God Life without God doesn't have firmness doesn't have a basis has no future at the end of their lives the ungodly will discover that they have lived that they have lived in a dream world with dismay and horror they will experience that there is a God in heaven in his judgment God will condemn them Because on earth they had not lived with and for the Lord So how vain and empty was all their wealth and importance Those ungodly, those wicked men They may have inflated themselves greatly Being puffed up by their own pride and wealth By their own position But God just pricks in them And then they instantly are deflated and they tumble from their important places. They vanish completely. And so for them, no glory nor any strength is left. And so a life without God brings total ruin, everlasting perdition. This is totally different with you when you live closely with the Lord. Then the poet says you have life. And then you have perspective. That's what the poet of Psalm 73 comes to see again. In faith, he saw and you that his life's activities must be seeking your strength with the Lord. In the past, previously, he had acted like a beast, he said, being ignorant and foolish. But then he repented. This is the poet's repentance, that he now wants to live with God. The ungodly and arrogant may want to live for their own interest for self, but as far as the poet is concerned, he wants to be near God. Yes, this is the only good thing for him, to be a faithful servant of God. Why can I say that the maker of Psalm 73 wants to be a faithful servant of God? Well note congregation that he qualifies his life with the Lord as that he is drawing near to God beautiful word beautiful expression drawing near to God the word the Hebrew word used here can describe different situations like drawing near in war then two armies they make up and they meet for battle, they draw near each other. The word also is used of a husband drawing near to his wife and here it has the meaning of being or coming into the most intimate proximity of each other. On the other side the Hebrew term is also often used for drawing near as contrasted with the word for far off. Now the poet uses this term, this word, in his life with God. First, by using this term, by using this word, he wants to distance himself as far as possible from his stupidity of imagining that he could live a carefree life without God furthermore by using this word he also wants to express that if you approach God then you must do so carefully you must do reverently. yes that word implies every careful step when man comes and goes into God's presence to present himself or his gifts to God as such The word is used, for example, in Exodus 3. There in Exodus 3, you find that Moses draws near to God. The story, the burning bush. That Moses draws near to God, speaking to him. The same expression you find in Leviticus 4, when when Moses approaches God on the mountain, Mount Sinai. And finally, in the Old Testament, gifts, Or sacrifices offerings of the people for God's service are described with the same word the Hebrew word is korban that is offerings sacrifices in Hebrew it means therefore offerings are drawing near when you offer to the Lord you bring your sacrifices also you draw near uh, draw near to God and so drawing near to God is a repeated Activity of worship, of listening to God. Listening to his word. To surrender all things to God. To expect from God all things. To depend on God. Such, as you understand, such an activity first and foremost takes place in prayer. Then God's servant draws, kneels. He presents himself to God with all that he has as a sacrificing servant, seeking and finding strength with the Lord Most High. This is and must be an ongoing activity of seeking strength with the Lord. And that's why it is good to read in the King James Version and the Authorized Version uh, that it is an activity The drawing near is a dynamic process. Many translations they have here to be near God, a sort of a situation in in rest. And yet you're there. It is more an, an not a static situation, a dynamic process. You all the time you go and you draw near to God an activity. Seeking, finding strength with God. And therefore, beloved, for the sake of your joy and peace, today. Tomorrow this week and always Please You must not jump the fence You must not join the world The ungodly Don't merely look at the things you see The things you feel Don't let your life's view Be determined By your actual situation As you now experience in this life Consider That truly God is good For his people center point of our life is and must be indeed God himself not me, no God God himself, his grace and mercy his great love, his goodness he restores and establishes us always in faith he continues to make his face to shine upon us he is gracious unto us he keeps his countenance upon us and he gives us peace look those Spiritual things just mentioned, those unseen things, God multiplies upon you week after week, day after week, uh, day after day. He is doing, He's multiplying those graces through Christ the Lord, His Son. That's why it is good to draw near to God in active worship here in church, but also personally, in a family worship every day. In ardent prayer to seek your strength with your faithful God He will give you what you need In our text the poet says in the second line I have made the Lord Yahweh my refuge That is our second thought It is a confession It expresses who God is for the poet now this confession stands against the same background as his activity of drawing near to God. And so we don't need to repeat what brought this maker of Psalm 73 to his confession. After he has seen his grave error, the psalmist makes God now his chief desire. In the renewed joy of the communion with God, he is again convinced of God's faithfulness. He again sees the true character of God that God is not unfair for his people that God is not unjust that he does not favor the ungodly over the godly how could he ever have thought that no it is exactly the other way that God protects his people his godly people that God protects him by holding his right hand by giving him strength by providing for all his needs and so he confesses God to be his portion, the only one he needs in life. that's not what he confesses the only one he needs that is his holy covenant God. In those words of the second line the poet shows that he again has the right knowledge of God for he uses two different names for God. Yahweh, and Lord or Adonai so Yahweh and Adonai the name Yahweh is God's name as he revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush that name Yahweh means that God keeps his word he keeps his promises he is the faithful God <coughs> you can fully rely on him he never lets you down never Second name, Adonai, denotes his lordship. He is Lord. God is the Almighty One, the Ruler. He keeps all things in control. He also governs and guides things according to his eternal counsel. And with him is nothing impossible. He will establish the sure promises of rest and peace, of glory. Eternal joy. He is able, he is willing to do so, he is also able to do so. You see, again, here we, con- we are concerned with things we see. no first and foremost, it concerns the unseen things of God's power. All those unseen things are again implied by the term the poet uses next. He confesses the Lord Yahweh, the Lord God, to be his refuge. The psalmist had been upheld by his God, strengthened by him. His presence is experienced anew by him in his house, in the sanctuary. And then his response is that of a renewed confession of making God his refuge. The original words for refuge used here had the literal meaning of taking shelter from a rainstorm. Such it is used, for example, in the prophets of Isaiah, chapter 4 and 6, or also taking shelter from any other danger in high hills, as we read in Psalm 104. So it is often used figuratively of seeking refuge and thus putting confident trust, whether in a religious power or in a political power. Now, this the idea of taking refuge may well derive from the common experience of fugitives or of a man at war Then the adjacent nearby hills provided a ready safe hiding place or a strong rock to which the often helpless fugitive could hurry for protection and in this way the noun place of refuge is used as a synonym a stronghold Remember from this morning how in 1 Samuel 23 David sought refuge in the strongholds of the wilderness Then it clearly appeared that God was his true refuge His trust in God was not in vain God was the place of escape we saw He was even the rock of escape This truth is clearly revealed so often in God's word not only that God is our rock but also that God is our shield for example or that God is the strong a strong tower or that he our cover shadow or that we take refuge under his wings remember how Ruth experienced God to be her refuge That she found shelter under the wings of the Most High. And so, this is also the confession of Psalm. The psalmist of Psalm 73. He seeks help with God. Not with man. Not with himself anymore. He applies Psalm 46. That God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. All the things... That you see may crumble, they may fall apart, they may come to naught. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, everything may be turned upside down in this world. Yet, the believer, the godly one says, God is ever the sole refuge for his people. Oh. God acts as the shield of the cover. Of all who takes refuge with him. With him you have peace and safety. And so congregation. The instruction and encouragement of God's word comes to us. Take and eat shelter with him. Feel safe in his everlasting arms. They surround you for protection. Confess your faithful and sovereign God. To be your refuge. Yes. Now for the poet, envy has turned to hope. Nothing can separate him now from God's love. Having reached assurance from what God is doing for his salvation, the psalmist comes to rest in what God is to him. However unpromising the situation might be, he understands now, What the Apostle Paul later on Will say to the Corinthians In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 There we read From the Apostle Paul 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 That the things that are seen They are transient But the things that are unseen Are eternal Now there is no Fretting and jealousy anymore With the poet now There is assured faith In God In whom is now all his delight And he confesses that God is my refuge Having God as refuge Doesn't make A godly man passive Confession of trust in the Lord Doesn't make us idle We have come to our third thought that God also makes the poet seek his strength in praise. A godly man always praises God that he says, I may tell of all thy works. Here we must see that drawing near to God indeed is not a static thing. It's very dynamic indeed. You do not take shelter with God so that you may continue that you may lead a complacent or an apathetic a self-satisfied life no way in that case the repentance of the poet would not have meant very much a life with the Lord a life that continuously comes into God's presence a life that continuously confesses his trust and faithfulness in God that shows that such a godly life shows fruits of thankfulness. then there is new commitment There is a new zeal. Along with renewed love to God. We see that the poet just can't remain silent about what counts in his life. Previously, when he had that spiritual depression, so to speak, previously his life was soured, paralyzed even by self-interest. All that now has radically changed. After he has been set free by God Then he shows his love to God Then he wants to tell of all his works His new commitment is to praise and adore God For his great deeds For God's deeds Those deeds concern the works of his hand and creation His works in salvation That God has made everything beautifully, beautiful As a skilled master builder And furthermore that God shows his greatness, his goodness, and grace. In the gospel of salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. The marvelous miracles of salvation worked by our Savior in the works of redemption and recreation. The psalmist knows that in many places of his word the Lord has given the instruction to recount his mighty wonders and just judgments. We must understand, brothers and sisters, that it is the wisdom of God's judgment that in this life, that he does not guarantee to us a life of ease. He guarantees to us a life of peace. So what do we see? At a certain time, the poet was busy with his own thoughts. Then, for him, the best thing was that he kept silent. For his own thoughts weren't good. They didn't give him the right perspectives. Yet, the moment he is again, he has been filled by God's thoughts. That moment he can't restrain his lips anymore. Then he must speak. And he tells of God's great works. And that newfound faith, worked by, by God's Spirit it gives him again the perspectives of rest and peace his strength is with God new zeal when we look at ourselves when we rely on ourselves then we don't have the right seal very often it is a misguided a misdirected seal but if we have a praise in God our strength in God we have the right perspectives and for us as New Testament people our strength And our peace is what the Lord Jesus Christ established here on earth through his redemptive work. That we have peace with God, reconciliation. That God indeed is the rock of our salvation. He opened for us the way to God's sanctuary, to his heavenly sanctuary. From here, the way is open into that heavenly sanctuary. And so we must connect 73 now with another important passage of God's word Hebrews 10 In Hebrews 10 The New Testament author writes Hebrews 10 Let us draw near The same word drawing near to God Let us come into his presence Let us draw near with a true heart And full assurance of faith With our hearts sprinkled clean of an evil conscience from all doubts and little faith you know he also says the writer to the Hebrews said that our bodies are washed clean with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering as it is as the writer of the Hebrews has our Psalm 73 in his mind but the same thoughts come uh, up there Let us hold fast the confession of our hope Without wavering Without doubting Without envying the world For he says He who promised Is faithful And let us consider How to stir up another To spiritual works For the fruits of faith Let us stir up one another To love and good works The first work The first good work In our Christian life Is praising God For his greatness, his goodness and grace. And in this way, beloved, despite our actual situation, you might have weaknesses, spiritual struggles, depressions. You are little, small. And yet, despite of all that outward situation, despite what we see or feel in our heart, despite of all the dense, all the holes in our lives Our life's view Our perspective Can be anything else and that we say It's great It's great to be with the Lord Our life is great For it is full of God's works He holds my right hand Through faith that is walking with God, hand in hand, reconfirming, reaffirming, yes Lord, yes thou art good to thy people. Praise be thy great and holy name. Amen. We pray. Father, we thank thee that thou hast filled our lives so greatly, that we have so many graces and mercies from thee through thy spirit and thy word. That our lives are overflowing. Father, we thank thee of thy goodness, thy grace, thy mercy, of all the, those unseen things that are so, so surely there. For thou art the Lord God, thou art Yahweh. Adonai the almighty God and Father in Christ the Lord thou art willing to help us in all circumstances and all needs that we have thou art also able to do so Father we praise thee for thy great gifts and that we know that thou holdest us always at thy right hand and grant us faithfulness That also when we leave the church and that we start again all our works and duties and tasks also this week that together with all thy people we may walk hand in hand with thee and trusting ourselves to thee having thee as our rock as our saviour in Christ the Lord taking refuge with thee having shelter under thy wings we praise thee our rich mercies. Hear us. Also, when we know and when we confess our faith in the glory to come, when we will see what we don't see at this moment, but when we see the restored, the renewed life, when the Lord Jesus Christ appears, then we also see who we are. Indeed, children of thine, receiving our great inheritance. Of eternal glory and praise. Father hear us. Again we ask thee. All this in the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus name. Amen.